word comes to us today from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 10 through 11. Listen now for the word of God. Jesus said again to his disciples, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The word also comes to us from Proverbs, chapter 31, verses 10 through 31. Listen. A woman of substance... Who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She... She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and allotted portions for her servant girls. Hmm. She rises while it is still night, and provides food for her household and allotted portions for her servant girls. She considers a field, and she takes it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength, and she makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable, And her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all her household are clothed in crimson. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the city gate, taking his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. 
She provides the merchant with sashes. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of steadfast love is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband, too, he praises her. Many women have done things of substance, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who is fear of the Lord is worthy to be praised. Give her a share of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the city gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, Steve told me before he went on sabbatical that y'all have a Mother's Day tradition here of preaching about the most controversial issues that are coming before the General Assembly this summer. That's right, right? Those of you who were here for Steve's first Mother's Day might know the sermon I'm talking about, affectionately known as the Mother's Day Massacre. Obviously, I'm just kidding around with you, but it is a Mother's Day tradition in some churches to preach about this text from Proverbs. The woman of substance can also be translated as the capable wife, or the woman of noble character, the good wife, the woman of strength. These are all ways to translate the opening words of this Hebrew poem. And the fact that there are so many different ways to translate it might be a clue that there are just about as many ways to interpret the verses that follow. For instance, you might hear this poem as a mother's plea for her son to choose wisely a wife who is more than beautiful or charming, but is hardworking, resourceful, generous, faithful, and wise. Not Bad advice. And in this advertising age that appears to value appearance above all else, it's even a little countercultural. You might take that lens a little farther and argue that this poem is extremely empowering for women, especially for its time. It uses a lot of language traditionally reserved for praising men and military heroes to describe a woman. She girds up her loins with strength. She's conquering that elusive field, providing for those under her, distributing goods to the needy. Strength and dignity, adjectives typically ascribed to kings, are hers here. She's a woman of substance, equal to any man. And at the end, the author argues that she deserves to be adequately compensated 
for her work and publicly recognized for it. You might say she's a precursor to Rosie the Riveter. Or maybe this poem reminds you very much of women you actually know, and you can't help but hear it as a celebration of their gifts and contributions. I myself was inspired to adapt this scripture as part of my mom's Mother's Day card. And it wasn't actually that difficult. She didn't make our clothes or plant a vineyard, but she did model a determination to use the gifts that God gave her not only to support us and her extended family, but also to give back to the church and to our community. One member of the bridge class that studied this passage a few weeks ago told me that it reminded him of an Eastern European immigrant he had come to know. She was amazing, he said, working night and day, doing anything and everything to make ends meet and to provide opportunities for her children that she never had. I couldn't help but think of some of the women that we visited on our trip to Haiti, up before dawn, carrying jugs of water, traveling far away to bring home goods from the market to sell and food for their families, raising animals, learning a trade, learning to read and manage money, constructing their own homes, first with wood and mud and later with the help of Fancose with rocks and cement and tin. I can't help but hear this scripture as a tribute to them and an affirmation of our church's investment in their lives. Or maybe you had a completely different reaction to this poem and felt a little worn out and exhausted just listening to all that this woman of substance did every day. Maybe it hit a little too close to home for parents who find themselves up late into the night working or answering email, and then up again early the next morning making breakfast and packing lunches, doing laundry, working in the yard, carting the kids all over town, maybe working on top of that, in a job, keeping track of finances, volunteering at the church. Lord knows if you have time to exercise. Maybe you wondered, is this even a real woman? Or is it just some fantasy of a kind of supermom? In the original language, this poem is an acrostic alphabet poem, which means that the first word of each line begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So that the capable wife is literally everything you can imagine from A to Z. Is this poem just another piece of propaganda claiming that women, or any of us, can have it all? Wealth, security, public recognition, a happy and healthy family, and a conscience at ease? It's at this point that the lectionary text of the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, and the good shepherd in John 10 have the potential to transform the way we hear this passage. When I read that Old Testament scholar Kathleen O'Connor interpreted the capable wife as a metaphor for the wisdom of God, I had to 
think that actually the good shepherd and the capable wife have a kind of similar ring to them. As I was learning the text, I couldn't help but notice the similarities between she does him good and not harm all the days of her life, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. It's interesting that the metaphor of Psalm 23 shifts from a shepherd to someone who sets a table and runs a household, just like the woman in Proverbs. Now, if you're a little skeptical, the metaphor for the woman of substance being also God's wisdom personified isn't as big of a stretch as you might at first think, similarities between mothers and shepherds aside. For one thing, in Proverbs 1 through 9, wisdom and folly are both personified as women. And in Proverbs 8, wisdom says some things that sound a lot like the capable wife. For instance, that wisdom is more precious than rubies. Fear of the Lord makes an appearance, enduring wealth and prosperity. But wisdom in Proverbs 8 is clearly more than just an abstract concept. She is part of God's own self there at creation. The language is not unlike John's description of the Word in his first chapter. There in the beginning, not one thing was brought into being without him. In fact, early Christian writers did not hesitate to draw connections between Christ, the Word made flesh, and God's wisdom personified as a woman in Proverbs 8. But it's more than that. When you listen to Proverbs 31, listening for ways that the woman of substance resembles God, you find them in almost every line. She is far more precious than jewels. Her merchandise is valuable. I can't help but think about the parables that Jesus tells about the kingdom of heaven being like a treasure buried in a field, or the merchant who sells everything to buy the pearl at great price. When I think about the woman spinning, I can't help but think about Psalm 139. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When I think about the woman of substance bringing in food from far away, I remember how God used Joseph all the way in Egypt to provide food for his people, and how God brought down manna and quail in the wilderness, and how he provided for Naomi in the land of Moab, or for the widow in Syria, through the traveling prophet Elijah. When the text talks about the woman of substance burning the midnight oil and rising before dawn, I think about Psalm 121, the one who watches over Israel, neither slumbers nor sleeps. The woman buys a field, and I think of the Lord's commandment to Jeremiah to purchase the field at Anathoth, as a sign of hope to the people about to go into exile. 
when she plants a vineyard. I think about Isaiah 5, where God talks about Israel as the vineyard he has lovingly planted, hoping in vain it would bear the fruit of justice. When she girds up her loins with strength as a warrior, I think about Psalm 27. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Her attitude toward the poor and needy mirrors God's. She wears the royal colors of purple and crimson. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of steadfast love, or chesed. God's main identifying attribute is on her tongue. Her children rise up and call her blessed, which if you are Jewish, it's hard not to continue with the traditional blessing. Blessed are you, O Lord my God, maker of the universe. Now I'm not saying that reading the woman of substance as a metaphor for God's wisdom, or the Holy Spirit, or the living word in our lives is the only way to read this text. But once you've made the comparison, it's hard to deny that the two have a lot in common. It makes me wonder if the A to Z description of the wife isn't another way of pointing us to the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Writer Anne Lamott posted this weekend on Facebook of the dangers of blithely and sentimentally celebrating Mother's Day from the pulpit. She notes the difficulty and the value of each woman's path, mothers and non-mothers alike. She reminds us how withering and unhealthy mother's love can be. She laments how many people get left out or go unrecognized. She points out how awkward and painful the holiday can be for many people who are grieving or estranged. For some, the Mother's Day massacre isn't just a one-time blooper by a new pastor. It's a yearly occurrence. So maybe it's fitting that this Sunday we have two rich metaphors for the way that we experience God at work in our lives. In one, God is like a dream spouse, strong, resourceful, tireless, generous, wise, hardworking, somehow managing to provide us with everything we need to protect us from the storms of life, always working behind the scenes to make our lives better. In the other, God is the dream shepherd, providing us with what we need, keeping us safe, walking with us through the valleys of our lives, and when necessary, laying down his own life for us. In the end, no one metaphor or image will be entirely adequate to describe the living God. Not father or mother or husband or wife or shepherd or vine, or word, not midwife, or potter, or rock, not king, or judge, or servant, or friend, not bread of heaven, or living water, or the way, the truth, and the life, not even I am. Our God is bigger than any one name.
any one image, any one adjective. But I have found that when you take them all together, you are not very far from the truth. Amen?